0: I guess this is sort of introduction number three, because I didn't know that those can be that full introduction. I think that's actually from our newsletter. Um, so we are the—this the, is—it's um, really a privilege and honor for us to be here. And in fact, I think the last time that we, that we shared during a Sunday worship service was—it was a long, long time ago. I think that usually when we visit RCC, we're usually visiting and having a gathering at Dave's house— uh, with, some peop- ...with some families, and so being here, I think the last time we were actually attended a Sunday service, you were still meeting in the basement of Dave's house. So that's how long ago it was. So when our family left, uh, this is what our family looked like back in 2005, and we only had three kids, and, um, and now, after 18 years and being in Thailand... Uh, this is what our family looks like now. So it's really an um, amazing thing for us to think about how the Lord has given us the opportunity and privilege to live in Thailand for the last 18 years. And, and you know, Thailand is really, really our home for us. It, it really is so much our home for us. When we come here, um, we, we were supposed to visit in 2020 uh, the U.S., but then there's this little pandemic hit the world. And so, uh, so, in fact, the last time we were here in the States was 2018, And so, even from 2018 until now, it just feels like so much has changed here in America that it feels like we feel like we're aliens here, even visiting here in the US as it is, even from five years ago. Um, And so, we're really thankful because, uh, you know, through the many, many years that RCC has been partnering with us, it's been such an important part of the fact that. Your partnership with us and praying for us really does make it possible. And and being here and seeing so many familiar faces really is very, 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 it feels, makes me feel very, very warm thinking about and seeing so many familiar faces and now seeing your families as you grow. Uh, it's really a blessing thinking about that and how the Lord has been working in your lives as well as in our lives as well. So um, with our our four kids, and we're really thankful because even though t- our kids are kind of older, that they're still willing to travel and like, we just flew back from Orlando last night to, uh, to, to, to Grand Rapids. We drove from Grand Rapids here, slept a few hours, and came to church. And so we're really thankful that our kids are willing to sit in the car and, and just endure along with us as well. On the far left, our youngest, Christopher, he is uh, going to be a junior in high school. And so she and uh, or he and my wife, they're going to go back to Thailand this week. Um, they have to go back early because of school. Um, next to Christopher, that is Deborah, and she's going to be a rising senior at Calvin. And then uh, uh, in the next to her is, is Abigail, who she's finished Calvin, um, and now she finished her first year teaching uh, as a middle school math teacher in Michigan, um, and she'll be doing that next year. And then our, our number three, uh, the far right, he's going to start at Wash U this coming, uh, this coming semester. And so we're Um, So I'll be sticking around for a a, a few more weeks to help him get settled at college, visit some other churches, and then after this week, our family is going to kind of split three and three, and then eventually it's going to be four here stateside. Oh, wait, my math is messed up. Three here stateside, and then three in Thailand as well. And that's kind of like where our family is right now. So our family, we are living in in Bangkok, Thailand, and um, this is actually the official full name of of Bangkok, Thailand, it actually takes a long time to say as it is, and it's just really something that kind of shows how the, the history and the culture that is really rich in Thailand as it is, and um, even in the name, you can see in the meaning of it, there's a very, very spiritual, a spiritual significance even to the name and to the background in, in, uh, in Bangkok. Um, for the city itself, Bangkok, it is actually um, 24% of the whole country's population is in Bangkok. And so out of um, of about 65 to um, up to like almost 70 million people in Thailand, 24% of the people live in Bangkok. And so it's a huge, huge city. It's a very, very, very modern city in many ways, but then it's also a very, very ancient city in terms of just the the architecture and the Buddhist statues that all these different things that are there. And so if we were to take a sample of about 1,000 people randomly in Bangkok, Um, If you took that random sample, you would see that there are this number of people in green, those would be Christians, if you're lucky, in a random sample of 1,000. So the rest of these would be Buddhist, and then there would be some Muslims as well. So out of 15 million people, this really is a significantly small, very, very, very small number. And and since we've been there 18 years, the number has actually gone up to about nine, whereas when we first went, there was about three people that were there uh, out of a 1,000. And so it's just kind of amazing because Thailand is open to missionaries, and and, uh, missionary work has been going on for a long, long time. But even still, the growth of the number of Christians in Thailand has been very, 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 very small, even throughout all these years. For, um, after I finished language school, our primary target ministry was in the university setting, and at Assumption University is why I was teaching for 16 years, and that was really my platform to get to know students, to get to know instructors and administrators, and uh, we just, as Dave read in that long thing there, that we just pivoted from these 16 years of teaching, and now we're switching our ministry. And when, we were, when I was packing up all my things in my desk, I happened to dig up uh, these name cards, and And um, in part of my trying to get to know students uh, by their names and faces, I would have each of them make out a little name card with a little information, and I'd use that for attendance and to try to get to know know them. But then I also used it to pray for each and every one of them as well, during exams or other times when I'm sitting in traffic. And and what really was striking was as I dug up all these cards, I didn't count them, but I kind of calculated, that this is about 4,500 cards right there that I've had in the course of 16 years. That's not including three years that I taught online, okay? I don't know how long students here were online uh, and during the pandemic, but we were online for three years. And, um, and during that time, <clears throat> during that time online, it was really, really tough. I mean, you could imagine. I mean, and, and for us, my students, students oftentimes would just be very, very honest and say they don't turn on the cameras and they'd honestly just say later on, oh yeah, you know, I was watching my latest K-drama series or I was just sleeping or I just kind of every once in a while click an emoji just to look like I'm there, but I'm really sleeping. And, and I did that for three years and it was really, really tough. And, and the toughest thing about it was not just being a teacher, but the whole point of my teaching was to build relationships with the students. And so because it was really almost impossible building relationships like this online. It was really, really something that really challenged us to thinking about how long we would be doing this as well. Like, in, even in terms of age and things like that too, the, the most recent gathering that we had of students coming to our house, a lot of these students were actually younger than my kids, which was kind of like a reality check as to, yes, I'm getting much older, we're getting older, the, the gap is much bigger as well. And it just really, really made us reconsider about what we're doing on our campus as, as our primary ministry. Well, because I was online for three years, uh, it really, really gave me an opportunity to get involved with some other ministries. And so one of the ministries that I got involved with is a ministry called City to City. Um, and, and this was established by the late Pastor Tim Keller. And City to City is a gospel renewal ministry that is really set on uh, uh, equipping church planters And so, in the city. And so because our courses were online, I was able to get involved with City City online as well. And so I've been getting more involved with that. So in fact, um, these are pictures where we had more, our most recent intensive training where we trained up 11 church planting teams. Uh, this was all done in Thai, um, and so we had to translate the materials, teach the materials in Thai, and we had about 11 church planting teams who had a vision and a heart to plant churches around the metropolitan Bangkok area. And so this is really, really a strategic thing for us, and it's been really an exciting thing to, for us to see, for me to get involved with this, because this was right up what we were hoping to do in Thailand, which was to, to church, planted, church plant church plant but especially in equipping church planters as well. And so that's one thing that I got involved with during the pandemic. Another thing that we got involved with during the pandemic was uh, right before COVID hit, uh, in Thailand, we were one of the first countries hit by the pandemic. Right before we, there was a, uh, the Thai church that we were attending. The, one of the Thai pastors had a vision to plant a church, um, and so we he invited us to partner with him in planting a church. And so this is actually our launch team um, as we had first it started. And the area that we had chosen was this area called Ari. Now Ari, as it says here, the hipster enclave. Hipster doesn't mean the same thing in Thailand as it does in in America. I know that hipster here kind of means, like, a lot of hair and, like, very, very, it means very something here different. In Thailand, hipster just means really kind of, like, young and trendy. That's kind of, like, what hipster means. And so in this area, there are a lot of really trendy coffee shops and, um There are a lot of trendy coffee shops and restaurants and a lot of young people that are working in there, and so that's where our vision was, was to plant a church in that area because that target group of people, they're not very, very open uh, even to the gospel as well, and so we had started a church and started meeting right before the pandemic, and then during the pandemic, we actually started our first services, and so it kind of went off and on, some hybrid services as well as in-person services, (coughs) and um and so at this point right now, this is kind of what God, Gospel City Bangkok looks like. And, um, and as you can kind of see, um, the, uh, as our family got involved with this, that we would do worship on Sundays, uh, and, and the service is all done in Thai, uh, and then we mix some songs in English. So that song, You're Worthy of It All, is one of the newest songs we've been starting to sing. And we have English and Thai both going on at the same time. Um, And so that's where our church is on Sundays, and then at 1 o'clock, what happens is the the room that we're using, it actually converts into a cafe, because on the rest of the week, on Sunday afternoon, as well as the rest of the week, um, our area is actually a cafe, and it's a really, really... Instagrammable place. It's a kind of a place where it's kind of very kind of trendy. We wanted it to be something that was attractive for the young working professionals that are there. As you can see, they get their coffee, and the first thing to do is Instagram their coffee and the place as well. And and we did that in, in the hopes of having an environment and a place that the people in the community can come to, that they can feel safe, and it doesn't feel very threatening. And so even that is part of the reason why we did that for church, so that for example, like for a lot of Thai Buddhists, they'll, if we were to invite them to church, they would say, oh, but I'm not a Christian. And so for them, seeing this environment where it doesn't look like that, it's very, very safe for them, and it's easier for them to come. And so there's some people who will come because they saw it on Facebook or on Instagram, and they're just a little bit interested. They want to know a little bit more, and then they'll come because of that as well. So for that reason also is why we named the cafe 348. Coming from Psalm 34, eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. And So that's really part of our platform and opportunity to do that. And it's been really a blessing because um, we probably get like four or five people a week maybe who visit. Um, and they come because they had... Uh, someone introduced them, someone had told them about it, or they saw it on the internet, or something like that as well. And so that's really where our church ministry is. Where we're kind of hoping that the, it's melds, the, our campus ministry from before, and then this church now, is where we have, where I, like, I have like almost 5,000, about 5,000 students and now working people that I've gotten to know before. Right now the big thing is for us to figure out now, how can we bring those about 5,000 people and somehow connect them To our church and the other things that are doing as well. And so, for example, this young lady, she got involved since her freshman year in our campus work. And then she got involved and she kept on coming. Even after she started working after university, she was coming to church. She started coming to church, I'm sorry, and she was not yet a Christian. And she recently became a Christian. And then in our two-year anniversary of our church, she she got baptized. And so one of the things we're trying to see is how avenues that we can connect these alumni from the university and then connect them with our church. And that's kind of a big thing that we're trying to do. And so for myself, um, I'm part of the leadership of the church. I preach usually about once... uh, usually once a month or so, and um, our church, our whole family is is pretty involved in the different workings of the church, and so if at any time uh, you are visiting Bangkok, and we know someone here, his parents have actually visited us uh, here as well, if you ever visit Bangkok, and you want coffee, really nice coffee, and you want some Instagram vibes, all right, And even to come to church with us, uh, my wife, she's the primary translator, so even though the service is done in Thai, that you can um, hear the, the, th- the English translation and have a great cup of coffee. Dunkin' Donuts is okay, but our coffee is much better. <laughs> okay, uh, And so we really, really want to invite you to just come and to see what that's like, and uh, just to see a new model and a new example of what that is. Uh, if you join us later on in the Q&A, we'll talk about some of the other weird things that we've done in terms of outreach, in terms of, like, for example, using K-dramas in our outreach and stuff like that uh, as well. And so we just, again, just really want to thank you. Uh, again, being here on Sunday and seeing so many other faces is really, it's, a, it's more, it just, it's just, I don't know, it just feels different than, than seeing other new faces as well. And it's, we're really, really thankful that, 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 that RCC has been partnering with us through all these years and praying for us. And it's just something that's, something that really makes it possible for us to be there in Thailand, just to know that there are people here remembering us and praying for us as well. Now, I, I know that Thai food is really popular, and my latest survey, I found out that, that a bowl of Pad Thai, a plate of Pad Thai costs about 15 bucks. I guess. Is that right? About $15, $16? Um, well, we know that a lot of you, as you might pray for your meal, uh, and if you're having Thai food, please remember and pray for Thailand and pray for us as well. Uh, your $15 Pad Thai, you could... Pray and thank God for your fifteen dollar pad Thai, or you come to Thailand and get pad Thai for a buck, buck fifty on the street, and then realize you're, wa- you're okay. You're getting eh pad Thai for fifteen bucks versus really good pad Thai for a buck fifty in Thailand. Um, so thank you again, RCC, for praying for us. We thank you for your partnership, and uh, it really is so, so, so important that 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 we have a body that, that's praying for us and remembering us as well. And, and now connecting more faces to RCC is just something that makes it a lot more real to us even as well. Um, <clears throat> we're going to go into the Word of God this morning. Um, so let me pray for us one more time before we continue on. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you, we look to you and ask that, that you would please um, join us together in, in, with one heart, in, in one gospel, that we might have a deeper perspective of who you are and to know how we fit into the bigger plans that you've set for us, and even for RCC, and, and many people may be here this morning with a lot of different thoughts and concerns or issues or praises that might be on people's hearts and minds, and we ask that you'd help us to lay them before you and that you would teach us, uh, teach us that you would teach us through your word. So we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> So i want to talk about the importance of covenant and community. This is actually a message that I shared in Bangkok uh, at at Gospel City Bank, at GCB, when we were uh, first setting up our church. And um, I did it in Thai, and I'm going to be doing it in English. And you can see, because I'm actually using the exact same notes that I'd used in PowerPoint that I'd used as well. So you'll see that the, the notes are bilingual. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of all, Uh, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, this idea that I was tasked to talk about when we were going through this series at our church was about covenant community. And covenant community has the idea of the body of Christ that God had established as his community and how they were bound to God by this thing called the covenant. And so this covenant, if we really think about it in simple terms, this is actually a screenshot from... Uh, the Bible project video on covenant. And, and the idea of covenant is this idea of God and his people, that there are uh, commitments and there are promises on both sides. And, and both groups are saying that they're going to work together in this covenant, in this covenant contract. So it's really like a group project. Now, I, I know that um, some of you are still students and, and some of you are working. Uh, I know that this whole thing about group projects Different people have different and mixed feelings about doing group projects, right? Like, so for example, how many of you like to do group projects? Wow, a couple people. Oh, how many of you don't like group projects so much? Whoa, okay. Now, this is really interesting because I'd always, I was a teacher for 16 years and and I found that oftentimes, not always, okay, for the two of you who said you like group projects, but oftentimes, uh, group projects, what usually happens is, There's a group and then, like, there are always a couple of people who benefit the most from this group project, okay, because they enjoy the fruits of their friend's labor, okay, and they themselves may not do so much of the work, okay, and so my kids really never really liked group projects, they always say, I end up doing all the work. I end up doing all the work, and plus, they don't do a very good job, and so I have to go fix it anyway. So it's kind of like this, you know, this very, very uh, perfectionist side as it is. Well, in that same way, when we think about covenant and this group project that God has with his people, it's really, really similar, right? In the sense that God does almost all of the work, and then the people of God, they do very little, if not mess it up most of the time. So in that same way, the idea of this partnership that the people of God are working with God and that in the bigger plan of why the community is there, it's really related to how this covenant thing works. I think this is like making noise. Um, Of how this covenant thing works and how it's an essential part of the big plan that God has for all of his people and the plan that he has on this world. So when we look at this passage and when we talk about this, we're going to look at three things. What God has given to Christ what God has given to the church, and then why is covenant community important? So firstly, if we talk about what God has given to Christ. So if we look at this verse in verse 18, it says that you may know, Paul is saying that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So this hope that he wants them to know for sure, he describes that, and he says, the, the uh, uh, I'm sorry, the, to which he has called you, and then inheritance. So this hope that he wants them to know is what is it that God has called them to, and then also the inheritance that they're going to be getting as well in that whole process. And he goes on, because in verse 19 he says, And what is this immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? So here, this immeasurable greatness he talks about three times. And as he talks about this three times, he's talking about how huge and amazing and great this thing is that God the Father has given to Christ. And so when he's talking about that, this immeasurable greatness that he's talking about, in the way he demonstrated that, he demonstrated it in verse 20, he says that he worked in Christ, that the Father worked in Christ when God raised him, Jesus, from the dead. That's one way that he demonstrated this power. But then also the second way is in the way that he seated Jesus at the right hand of the Father as well. So these two things are the demonstration of how great that power is that God the Father had given to Jesus. Number one, that he was raised from the dead. He overcame death and sin. But not only that, but he was also seated at the right hand of God the Father. That he was shown demonstrably to everyone, to demonstrate to everyone that he is higher and he's greater than all others. And that's really what he's talking about. So that penalty and then the the right hand of God is talking about how he demonstrated that. And then Paul goes on even further to clarify. He says that this authority is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. So this authority that he's talking about here is not necessarily talking about like government authorities as such, but what he's really, really emphasizing, and he's talking about every name that is named, what Paul is talking about really is about Satan and his demons. That's really what he's trying to talk about. At that time, for the listeners of Paul Yes, there were those issues related to politics and government, but, but the bigger issue, even greater than that, that was on people's minds, was this issue of Satan and demons, and then the spiritual realm that was at work at that time. Now, I, I know that in America, this is probably not one of those things that's talked about a whole lot, and there probably isn't much, uh, you know, like stories about this, about Satan and demons, as much as in other places. But, but I just wanted to give an example of how this works in Thailand, Uh, an an example from from our ministry um, related to Satan and demons. So this young lady that's with the the circle around, her name is C, and she was a freshman in my class, um, in my university university class. And although we had invited students many times, even some of her classmates to my house um, uh, after their students— um, see, she never got invited to our house i don 't know whatever that reason why, and then maybe she was a little bit bitter about that, but, but she never got invited to our house as one of the common things that we did and um, so she was always friendly, but i didn 't really know a whole lot about her and then a couple of years later, uh, a young lady who was with us she was uh, doing a short term project with us and uh, living and ministering with us for a year in Thailand. She and I and some students were passing by in the hallway, and then we pass by and see C on the hallway. And then this young lady on our team she invites C to my house for a Christmas party that we're going to be having a little bit later. So at that time, um, when C came to our house, that was the first time that C had heard about the meaning of Christmas. Now in Bangkok, Christmas is really popular, but in Bangkok, Christmas is like it's very commercial. It's like Christmas trees. Santa Claus, reindeer, snowflakes, snowmen, even though most people have never, ever seen snow in their lives, okay, because, you know, like uh, when we first got, last night, it was so cold here. Was it cold, you guys? We were freezing last night when we, when we drove into to Naperville last night, but it was only like 65. That's like colder than it ever gets in Bangkok, okay, just so you guys know where we're coming from. And, and so most people in Bangkok, when they think of Christmas, they, they don't really know what the real story is about Christmas, But at this event that we had in our house, it was the first time that C heard about the real meaning of Christmas, about the birthday of Jesus Christ. And so C was then curious to learn more, and she joined our weekly Bible study. Even though she was very, very busy academically, she still uh, joined the Bible studies that we had. And then as she was learning about Jesus, she struggled with the concern and worry about how her family would react if if they knew that she was more interested in Christianity. Um, However... After over about a year of doing Bible study and learning about Christ, she knew that she could no longer deny the truth of the gospel, and so she, in her the privacy of her own room, she asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of her life. Uh, We're so sad that we're so thankful and and excited, but we're sad that we weren't there to experience that moment with her uh, as it was. And um, so she was very, very deliberate in really wanting to grow for the Lord, and so her passion was growing. And as she was trying to uh, share the gospel and and minister to other people, she led this guy, his name is Peter, um, this Chinese guy, um, she led him to Christ, and then later on, they ended up getting married, uh, and even at their wedding, which our family was involved in helping out in, at this wedding, C and Peter wanted the wedding to really, really be an opportunity to share the gospel, because his side of the family, as well as her side of the family, almost all of them uh, were not believers. And so they wanted it to be an opportunity for people to hear about the Lord and the gospel as well. Well, one of the guests that came to the wedding was a friend of C, and her name was Sue. Okay, so get this: there's a C and then there's Sue. So Sue came to the wedding, and it was her first Christian wedding as well. And at this wedding, she was so impressed by this God that we are talked about. And when happened, what happens as Sue? Then started to face some other difficulties and challenges in her life. She was scrolling through Instagram and she remembered, uh, she remembered about C. Uh, so this is Sue and this is C. She, Sue remembered about C and that C was a Christian and she remembered about her God. And so she decided that after she remembered seeing the pictures from Instagram, she decided to contact C and ask her to go to church with her. So, um, so Sue came to church on that, that Sunday to GCB, and on that Sunday, she came and received Jesus as her Lord and Savior that, that, that first day. Now, it's kind of remarkable, but it's really a story of how God had been working in Sue's life up to that point, and, and when she came to church that Sunday, she was just so ready. Uh, she was just so ready to become a Christian on that day. So it was just a, a culmination of all the things that God had been doing on that day. Well, later that evening, Sue was excited, and she called her mother to share the news. But before she could say anything, her Buddhist mother immediately asked Sue, she asked her this, if something happened. She said, Sue, are you playing with black magic? Because her mother was asking this because that day, her mother had consulted the family uh, fortune teller. And so when the fortune teller was trying to see and make predictions or whatever about each of sue's family members that when she came to sue she couldn't see anything so then the fortune teller said to her mother she said there's something stronger than me blocking me from seeing anything about sue and those are the words of the fortune teller so sue's mother came to the conclusion that sue must have been messing around with black magic because it's it's a thing that people do in thailand but then she was shocked by that news and so sue asked her mother, what time was it that you saw the fortune teller and you talked to her? And as she was talking and comparing times, it turned out that time was just about soon after Sue became a Christian that the fortune teller couldn't see. It's just an example of how Jesus, that although for the fortune teller and her mother thought it was black magic that was covering Sue. It was actually Christ and his power and his authority that was covering over a suit. And that's just a common example of in terms of the way that the spiritual realm works, even in Thailand, in, in, in many different ways than it would here, especially clearly as it relates to the, the Satan and angels and demons. And, and as Paul says in verse 22, he says, And he put all things, God put all things under his feet, It's a really striking picture that would look something like this, that as Jesus' feet, underneath Jesus' feet, that he has such high authority over all of the rulers, powers, even demons as such, that all these things are under Jesus' feet. Now, this is really striking uh, because in Thai culture, the feet are the lowest part of your body. And so it's very, very rude and improper for me to sit and then just kind of point my toes at someone because it's very, 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 very rude. So in Thai culture, for someone to read this, it's a really striking picture of how that authority that Jesus has in a very, very pictorial, illustrative way of of how Jesus has conquered even the most powerful enemy, even Satan and death as well. So that's what we're talking about when what God has given to the Christ. So if we look quickly at what God has given to the church is we can see in, if we go jump to Ephesians chapter 2, we were just looking at Ephesians 1. If we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, let me highlight for you, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And here in verse 6, he says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, here, Paul is talking specifically about the believers. And so in verse 6, as he's talking about this, If we compare this to what Paul said in chapter 1, in chapter 1, if you see, it says, he raised him from the dead, he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, those two things. And then in verse in chapter 2, it says, he raised us up with him and seated us with him as well. So those two demonstrations of authority and power that God the Father had given to Jesus, raising from the dead, sitting at the right hand, Ephesians 2 says that believers in Christ that we have that same authority as well. Now, I don't know, but how, how many of us feel that way? Like, even as Dave was saying, there's so many things that we know to be true and we might not feel that way. Like, when was the last time you felt like, I have this authority and power? Ah, <laughs> I don't know. I think for a lot of us, that might be kind of a hard sell. And yet, there's something very significant that Paul is saying here to be certain, to be sure, he says, I want you to know for certainty the hope that is in Christ that this thing is a very real thing. And I wonder that if we really know that, how it ought to affect the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we pray, the way we think about the plans that we have in our lives, the way that we think about our obedience, all these different things. For some of us who you might be the only Christian in your office and workplace, and you might feel very much on the defensive all the time, that if you were to know that Christ has given you the authority, or that the Father, God the Father has given you the authority that as of Christ, I think that that would give us a very different way that we would see ourselves in our role, even in our office as well. And so I think that's really a challenge for us as we think about that. And I think that the important thing is as we figure out, how this thing works, not only for us as individuals, but also together and collectively as a body. Because in verse 22, he says, and gave him as head over all things to the church, right? So not just to as an individual, he talks about this in the plural to the church. He says, which is his, full, uh, which is his body, the fullness of Christ. So full of power that he's talking about here. Now this fullness thing right there is it's, it's kind of important and it's a little bit unclear sometimes because people argue about what that means but he's saying here that what that which the father the father has given to christ that authority and then christ what he does is he gives that authority to the church in the fullness of christ and that's through the cross and through the new covenant that all these things that he shares his authority with us so that means that the conquering of death and sin is ours That means that the victory over sin is ours. That means that a future, that we will be at the right hand of God, that that is also ours as well, all through Christ. Now, that's a really, really hard thing. And I think that that's one of the things that I really want to challenge all of us to think about what that looks like and how that should manifest itself in our lives each and every day. But then why is this important then for a covenant community? Because if you remember, he said, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. So it's not just talking merely to individuals, but to the body together as a church. And so this word idea of fullness, uh, again, I said there are a lot of different ideas of what this might mean. And so I'm going to share with you my reflection on this. This doesn't necessarily mean this is exactly what it is, but I was trying to figure out, so how do we apply this? When I was trying to apply this with GCB, but then now, as I think about us visiting different churches, how that would apply as well, this whole idea of fullness and why covenant community is important. So when, when I was studying this passage, I kind of went down the YouTube rabbit hole, and, and I ended up, I don't know how, I ended up learning about diamonds. Okay? So in kind of my nerdiness, I thought, oh, this is interesting. Um, but did you ever wonder how a diamond works in the sense that, like, you know, the, the light comes in, light goes in white and then it comes out in many different colors and then you can spot a fake one by how brilliant it is and the colors, blah, 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 Well, as I was learning about this, uh, I learned that the, as light comes in to one face of a diamond, and, and especially this cut, that because of the refraction and diffusion, it bounces around on the inside and so then the light, when it comes out, it comes out looking different. So the more facets and more bounces on the inside that is, it is, that white light, it shows itself in more colors. And that's what makes it all the more brilliant. And that's what this thing is called, the brilliant cut and the brilliance and what that is. So that means that the light that we see is just one, uh, it looks like it's just one thing, but if you break it down, you see all the different colors as it is. And you know, I thought to myself, in a lot of ways, that's really what the body of Christ should really be about. He's saying that the church is the fullness of Christ, which means then that for me, How I see Jesus is limited, and I see one view of Jesus. But then, if I sit and talk to someone else, and I hear their story of their walk with the Lord, I get to experience another aspect of Jesus that I myself haven't seen. I talk to someone who has experienced Jesus as their healer, and I firsthand get to see from their person's eyes and their testimony of of the healing power of Jesus. When I talk to someone else about how Jesus restored them, I hear another story of how Jesus restores. And through all these different testimonies of people, we get to see a fuller picture of who Christ is. That's why online services are great, okay? But it's something else about meeting other people, hearing about what's been going on, sharing about what they experienced in their week. How did God work in your life this week? That we see a fuller picture of who Christ is. So that the fullness of our Christian life and experience is not just by what I do each day, but as I interact, as I meet with, as I share with other people who are in the body. That means that what you do and what you experience and see is different than what I do. That means that how you serve is different than the way that I serve. For our family, we're able to be in Thailand and speak in Thai over there, whereas you may not but I don't have access to your school that you go to. I don't have access to the company that you work at. In that same way, and as we all cover different parts, that that others might be able to see the fullness of Christ when we are collectively one body together. That people see Christ more fully, not just because Dave in his classes as he teaches at university, but that even more, if he, if you if let's say a colleague were to come here to RCC and meet other people, then they could see even more of what's going on in Christ as well. So that's why this is such a significant thing. And that's why this brilliance, I wonder, this has something about the importance of this community, this covenant community, in that God has called us to, that we are all covering where God has set us, in the testimonies that he's given to us, in the places that he's set us to, and that together we can be one covenant community in Christ. And that's why it's so important for us that, that we have RCC praying for us. Because where we might be in Bangkok, in Ari area as it is, you're covering Naperville. You're covering Orland, Orland Park. You're covering all these other places where you are, where your family, where you work, where your office is. And that you have that opportunity to be that fullness of Christ together as one body in Christ, no matter where we are. And that's why it's so impossible for us to be there on our own. And that's why it's so important for us to have RCC, to pray for us as well, and as we're all doing our part. And so that's why we really want to thank you, because we really, really, literally, missionaries say that all the time, but really, we really can't be out there without you. And knowing that people are praying for us is one of those things that really encourages us just to know that as you're eating your pad thai, really expensive pad thai, (laughs) that you might pray for us and pray for Thailand, that God might do his work over there as well, even though you're here. Let's pray together. I'm going to just ask you if just a moment just to pray on your own. And just for a moment, I don't know, maybe for you, it's a really tough reminder sometimes to Convince myself maybe that this authority that is in Christ is upon me as well and is upon us. And would you just take a moment to pray for RCC? Um, And uh, I I know that you guys that RCC is looking for to fill a leadership position for uh, even for looking for a pastor. And you know, I'm so convinced that that the the church is not just is not only one person in the pastor, but it's the body even though you don't have a pastor, you still meet on Sundays and you still worship and you still serve and you still have people who lead. And, and, and maybe that you would pray that RCC would be this, this covenant community, this fullness of Christ that, that, that demonstrates and pictures this authority of Christ in humility, in grace, that RCC would be able to demonstrate to others and to that you want another as well. Maybe someone here is, needs to see um, a, a testimony of Jesus' healing power in your testimony. Someone here in RCC or someone else around. Maybe someone uh, in your church needs to hear a testimony um, to experience God's faithfulness, God's provision, the God who saves, the God who is just, the God who restores, the God who heals, the God who comforts. And maybe that's through the testimony that God has given to you. And and that collectively, as RCC, that the Lord would use you to really be demonstrating, to be able to demonstrate the brilliance, the fullness of Christ through your church and through you. No matter how small your part you may seem to be in, but to know that in the fullness of Christ, that you are a necessary part of that fullness of Christ to be demonstrated in your life. So why don't you just pray for a moment about that and then I want to pray for us in closing before I hand it over. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the authority and power that you've given to Christ. We thank you that you've given that to, the, the, to those who are in Christ as well. And we pray for RCC, that RCC would demonstrate the fullness of Christ in Victory over sin, in the forgiveness that we receive in sin, uh, from sin. In the strength that we live each day, in the humility that we learn to live as those who are forgiven and living in your grace, as we're living as RCC, as a body that is a gracious, loving community. And that others in the Naperville area, in all the different offices and schools, that people might be able to witness the fullness of Christ. We thank you that no matter where we are, whether it be in Taiwan or Japan or Thailand or in Vietnam or in Chicagoland or Naperville, that, Lord, that you have called us, for those who are in Christ, to be one body, one covenant community. We thank you you've called us to serve in this group project. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, but we know that you will demonstrate your goodness and your faithfulness, and we ask that you would use us to be instruments of that as well. So we ask for your provision here at RCC, that you provide for them all that they need, that in this time where they are missing uh, a pastor, that they would even more uh, see how you work through and how you've called each person and how they might serve RCC. And we thank you that, that um, RCC might have an even bigger heart for the things you're doing around the world and for this uh, gospel kingdom that you've established for us to partner with you. So we pray these things and thanking you in Jesus' name, amen.